falling off, going very, very quickly. Whenever we have, um, well, I have, and other ministers have partaken of that blessing of the children, it does take a little out of you because you think about those children that you have asked God to bless. And that's the question I want to ask you today. When you see these precious children, what do you think about them? What goes through your mind as we laid our hands on each one of these beautiful children? As you saw all the ones lined up here today, what, what goes through your mind about those children? Or do you even think about them? Do you make any cognitive thoughts about children in your congregation if you have them? And we, we're very blessed in Tulsa. I, every time I look around, uh, I see all the little children that we have in Tulsa, and it's such a wonderful blessing. Mamas get up and have to take their children out, and I kind of remember that. <laughs> All those times when uh, we'd have to stand in the back or we'd have to walk them out. And sometimes it seems like it's a difficult thing to raise children, and yet it goes by so fast and you don't realize it. So very, very quickly. So very quickly. So I want to ask, what do you think about children? What are, you th what are your thoughts about children? And as I go through the message today, I'm going to give some hints about children. Of course, the psalm that I love to start with when I talk about that is Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. Now I'm using the um, easy reader, and this will be the King James up here, so you'll be able to read both of them. And I have this one because uh, there's some annotation in here that's kind of interesting in some of the areas. In our Christian home, if we don't start out with the Lord in our house, we're building our in vain. And it's a very important when we raise children in this way that we have the Lord a part of it. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. In verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb, fruit of the womb is his reward. Um, like Ian, sometimes I like to look at what the original Hebrew or Greek was, and it's interesting how that there's only four words for those first few verses there. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. And if... Um, Brian will put it up there. Behold, allotment 
of Yahweh sons. And so you can see what the translators had to do to bring out and flesh out this. But it's there, it isn't it? it the, the information is there. And the key word is, of course, inheritance and allotment of in the Hebrew. And those, a lot of times if you go get these translations, you, you look at, um, and especially when they're literal, uh, they pick their own words. But this word is um, 5159, and it means, um, and I won't even try to pronounce the Hebrew, so we'll just go on, uh, something inherited, occupancy, an heirloom, estate, patrimony, portion, uh, portion heritage, to inherit, inheritance, and possession. And we understand that our children are our inheritance. They continue our life on. Uh, when we pass on, they, they continue on. But it's interesting the way that this is written and the way this is worded. You can also understand that those children are a possession of the Lord. And that's what is so important about what we're going to talk about today. Because if you of God's Spirit and you're raising children, or if you're in a congregation where there's children, you need to understand that there are certain things that we are, re are required of us. It was kind of interesting. Uh, the youth day, and they get an old man to talk about the youth. But Dale is right. I have raised nine children, and I have ten grandchildren. And it seems like that the time has just gone by so quickly. And I look back on our lives, and I wonder how in the world we got through those years and raised the children that we have raised. And I'm so very proud of them and thankful for them. The second part of this is also very interesting, this verse. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. And uh, if Brian will put up that second uh, portion of this. Um, uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, yeah, that's the first portion. I want the, the uh, um, fruit of the belly. Oh, there it is. Okay, sorry about that. It's on the bottom of it. Yeah, uh, I just wasn't seeing it. So, the fruit of the womb is his reward. And in the Hebrew, it fruit of the, um, higher fruit of the belly. So, that word higher means payment of contract, salary, fare, maintenance, compensation, benefit, wages, or worth. Kind of interesting. I just went back and I looked at those, those words just to, to kind of see what the original um, Hebrew words were and how they kind of fit within this, this, um, uh, these verses here. So we understand that God created us <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. 
Evolution has no part except in fiction. Uh, science won't accept that, but evolution has no part except in fiction because we do have a great creator. You can prove mm -hmm. that he has created all things. He has the, and he has continued that creation down through the generations. Generation after generation after generation. In Psalm 128, I'm going to skip to that. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord that walks in his ways. For you shall eat the labor of your hands. Happy shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children all like olive plants round about your table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that fears the Lord. The man that fears the Lord shall be blessed. The Lord shall bless you out of Zion, and you shall see the good of Jerusalem in all the days of your life. Yea, you shall see your children's children and peace upon Israel. There's one key to understanding the future of our children in that verse. So, what's our responsibility as parents? What, what should we be doing? It's interesting that the Proverbs are full of instructions for parents. And they should be a part of your, um, of your training and your learning and your understanding. In uh, Proverbs of the 22nd chapter and verse 15, and I think we understand this particular verse very, very well, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Some children don't require um, very much correction. They, you know, you speak to them and they, uh, they're ready to change. And others, um, they need a little bit of uh, persuasion. And we understand that. And we do it discreetly and we also do it in love. We don't abuse. We take care of our children. We love them. But we understand that if we don't correct them in the right way, they can go very, very badly. Verse 20, uh, chapter 29, or Proverbs 29, for instance, it says here, The rod of reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. <laughs> Who is the one that normally gets on the TV, you know, the news, whenever there's some horrible thing that a son does. It's usually the mother that apologizes, isn't it? When a son or a daughter brings the family to shame, it's usually the mother. And so it's important as we look at that. The rod and reproof give wisdom done rightly, correctly, with love, will direct and guide that child. And of course, Proverbs 22 gives us the, the way to do that. It says, Proverbs 22 in verse 6, and I, why do they always put it between two pages? 
So you got to do this, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is interesting that that word train up means to narrow his focus, to initiate, to discipline, or to dedicate your child in the way that he should go. As Christian parents, we try to dedicate our children to this way of life through the, the many avenues that God has given us. The holy days, the Sabbath, all of those are avenues that we bring to our children to direct them, to focus them, to help them down that road. of goodness and righteousness, in which we hope they will do, that they will, that they will be model citizens, or at least good citizens in this society, and that they will be an example to others. And we hope that they will follow. Not all do, and we understand that, but we hope that they will follow in our way of life. They will keep the Sabbath. They will keep the holy days. And when they come to the feast, and you come to the feast, and you enjoy the feast, and they enjoy the feast, you are directing them in, their, in that direction. You are guiding them. You are putting them down that narrow path. And it's very helpful for them to see you enjoy and rejoice and have joy with them at the feast. In Deuteronomy, the 11th, chan 11th chapter, the instruction is very clear for each and every parent and anyone that might have an opportunity to train, such as our teachers. They, they have an opportunity to train the children in the, in the way that they should go. Deuteronomy 11, chapter, and beginning in verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. This is a society filled with other gods. From Hollywood to automobiles to money. And we have a, a tremendous problem raising children in this society because they have so much. And the Lord wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain. The land yield not her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord give you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your head, that they may be frontless between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, and when you lay down, and when you rise up that your days uh, and you shall write them upon the doorpost of your house and upon your gates that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth for if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them to love the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to cleave to them then will the Lord drive out all the nations before you. 
And even though that doesn't quite apply to us, we know, we understand that if we apply the words of God in our house, if we teach our children this way, give them that narrow way to follow, because wide is that path that leads to destruction, but narrow is that way that leads to eternal life, to righteousness. If we give them that narrow way and we teach them that narrow way, even if it's just an example that we show them, that we are willing to go to the Sabbath services on a regular basis, that we love and want to keep the Feast of Tabernacles on the regular basis, that we go because you're baptized and you keep the Passover every year at the appointed time, that you keep the days of unleavened bread. As you teach them, you keep them, you instruct them, you guide them, you lead them. It's so important that you direct them in that way. Moses, in reaffirming, in reaffirming this to the children of Israel, was telling them that if you want to continue in the way of the Lord, you're going to have to instruct your children in the way of the Lord and guide them and lead them in the way of the Lord or they will depart. And obviously, they had some problems and they began to depart and to, and to follow after other gods. And so we, who have God's Spirit, who are raising children and continue to raise children, whether you, whether you, even in even in your own congregation, if there's young people that you can teach and instruct, help them to see this way, and encourage them in this way. It starts with strong families, doesn't it? It starts when you're married, and you determine in your family that you are going to have a very strong committed marriage, that you're going to be loving and you're going to work together to raise your children because you have decided that you too are going to love one another, you're going to love Christ, you're going to love God the Father and you are going to put Him first in your life and you are going to have a good marriage and a good family. So in Colossians, let's start with Colossians first. I have Ephesians, but I'm going to. Colossians 3, beginning. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your heart. And I think, yeah. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And he says, and then he gives instructions for the family. Instructions for the family. Strong family ties are extremely important. Strong family values are extremely important. If you are going to raise your children to be in this way of life. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. As it, is, as, it is, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love 
your wives and be not bitter against them. That is so very, very important. Take the leadership role, but love your wife. Do whatever it takes to love your wife. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. While your children are, are young, your parents are trying to direct you. For those of you who are old enough, like our young, like my granddaughter over there and uh, her friends, Your parents are trying to direct you in the right way. And so being obedient to them helps you to understand what is right and what is wrong. Because they're going to teach you that. And it's well-pleasing to the Lord that he is teaching you those things. And, and I know in, in times past this has been a very difficult one. Because we tend to be a little bit overbearing as fathers. But it says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And you can. You can discourage your children. You can discourage your children until they, they, just, they don't want to have any part of anything. Because you've beat it into them. Or you've, um, <laughs> whatever you decide that, um, to do to, to, to get them to go down that road. Sometimes it's just a matter of example. It's just a matter of direct directions in, their, in, the, in the child's life. Correction does not necessarily mean that you have to, 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 to yell or scream at them, but that you love them and are concerned for them and direct their, their thinking. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Paul covers the basis. We're all very familiar with it, but sometimes we need to be reminded, um, even as fathers, grandfathers, uh, leaders in the church, ministers, pastors, we need to have compassion on our, on our children. We need to have compassion on, on mothers that have to, to get up and take care of their, their little ones. We need to have compassion on the little children. They're so precious. It's sometimes it's so fun to watch um, uh, the little little children grow up and become young adults. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure, both with my own children and some of the children in the church, to to do that, and it's it's so heartwarming. And and then when they get to that point when you they're ready to be baptized, and I've been around long enough that I've seen children grow up, come to that point, and want to be baptized. And that is so rewarding. Absolutely so rewarding. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's interesting that your days might be long upon the earth. That's what it says in, in, in the commandments, that your days might be, well, might be long upon the earth that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So here's the instruction. Don't provoke them to wrath, but bring them up 
in that loving kindness of the Father. The Father is so merciful to us. <laughs> Our sins are as bad and terrible sometimes as you could get. And yet He is merciful. He corrects us with love and concern, guides us and leads us, and that's the way as fathers and mothers we should direct and lead our children. I have some admonition for married couples who are, and I've given this many times, and sometimes it sinks in and sometimes it doesn't. I, and I really wish it would sink in because it is, it's, it's so biblical. <laughs> uh, in First John, because love is the most important thing in our family. And I'm going to trip over this, whatever this is here. Love is the most important thing in our family. God so loved the world, as Ian has been teaching us. And there's so much to that. He so loved the world that he let his son come down to this earth. It's so important that we also have the love of God in our family. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And this is verse 7 in 1 John, the fourth chapter. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Who is the closest person, if both of you are baptized, both of you are going to church in your family, that you should be loving? Who is the closest person out in your family? Isn't it your wife or your husband? And if you cannot love them, how can you love any, anyone else? And it says if you don't love them, how can you love God? Sometimes it's hard to get this scripture through to couples. How important this is. This is so basic. You're very... relationship with God if you're married has everything to do with your love for your mate. And of course if you're not married or you, that, then it's your relationship to your church brethren, one another. And it spreads out, you know. But if you can't learn to love your, your mate, you can't learn to love your husband, or you can't learn to love your wife, And God says, he, you don't know how to love him. And this is manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And it starts in the family. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. All this is tied together. All of the things that we learn out of the Bible are tied together. The Spirit that's given to us. The love of God that, that dwells in us. The Christ and, and God the Father that dwells in us. And those things should be reflected in our life back towards our family. And the loving relationship that we should have in our family. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. That's, God is love. It's what it says. And if we have God dwelling in us, we should have the love of God towards one another and, towards, and especially towards our family and our mate. And we should show that forth. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So by doing those things, by showing love one towards another in our family, and it spreads out to our church brethren, and spreads out to the Feast of Tabernacles brethren, and it spreads out to those that are in the world as, we, as they come to understand this, then that love is being expressed in which God wants that love to be expressed. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. By replacing all of those fears, all of those torments, I, I, I've had a a fear of, of heights for a very long time. And it's very difficult to overcome some of those fears. And some of you have, may have fear of spiders or fear of this or fear of that. And sometimes it's a torment, isn't it? You, 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 you don't, you're not free. You're not as free as you would like to be. It says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first turned his love on us and showed it. If a man say, I love God, if a man say, I love God and hates his wife or her husband or can't put up with her children, or her brother, or whatever, and the brother, the brethren. He is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. So it's very important that we have strong family ties, that we develop a love for one another inside of that. And once you do that, you, you will be showing your children that you love one another 
as God loves you, you love your children. You're shedding that to them. You're, you're expressing that to them. The next part. We have an evil world that we live in. <laughs> I think everybody understands that. And it's a horribly evil world. And you've got to watch out for your children like no other time in society that we've ever lived in. Brethren, we have a serious situation in this America that we live in today. Ephesians 2, we know who the fomenter of this evil is. We're all very, very familiar with this. We're in time past. Verse 2, you walked in according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So there are those in this world who are the children of disobedience. I wanted to name this all the children of God. But we know that there are some who are Satan's children. It's, it's sad. They follow after him, and they hear him, and they listen to him. He says, among whom also we had our conduct, our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. Has quickened us together with Christ. I was only going to read one verse about Satan, but I, wanted to, I didn't want it to be so discouraging because he is, you know, he, he goes about, as we will see here in First Peter, the fifth chapter, he, he's out there trying to destroy everyone's life, and especially he hates us. He hates those that keep the Sabbath. He hates those that keep the holy days. Because he knows what this days, these days are all about. He knows he's about to be put into you know, chains. <laughs> and he hates it with a passion. First, 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. Well, I think I mean. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Sorry about that. He had the right, he had the right verse up there in the, in the first place. Sometimes I get lost in here. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Brian, put that up there. I'll, uh, we live in a bizarro world. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, the Superman comics and the uh, um, what happened to Superman in the comics. Uh, he got this ray that caused a, a totally opposite, a bizarro. And that's what he's called, bizarro. Well, bizarro has all the opposites. Uh, and he's... He goes into the exit, exit, uh, you can't even spell. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the children ask, uh, uh, why do they do this? Why, why do they go into the entrances and exit through the exits? And, and, 
And uh, the bizarro uh, Jane says, ah, because they're stupid, uh, that's why. Um, and so consequently, everything is upside down. Everything is totally opposite. And it's interesting that uh, David Kaplan, I don't know, he, he writes for World News Daily. And he's written a couple of very interesting books, The Marketing, um, the Marketing of Evil and How Evil Works. And he kind of uh, took off on this the bizarro world. Because we do live in a bizarro world. We live in a situation in a world where everything is opposite. Now, before I read some of the things out of here, I want to read. I want to go to. First, to um, I want to go to uh, Isaiah the twenty-fifth uh, uh, chapter. I want to read uh, some, some passages out of Isaiah the fifth chapter, and then when I read some of the things that he's written in here, and I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read a couple things. See if we don't live in this bizarre world that has these kind of weird things going on. Uh, beginning in verse uh, 20. He's, in Isaiah verse 20, uh, 5 verse 20, it says, Woe to them that call, good, that call evil good and good evil. So here we are, the bizarre world. Um, uh, this is the way that it is. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to them that are mighty in, to, to drink wine and men to, uh, of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for the reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall be as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One. We live in a society today where illegal aliens, although um, their presence is hurting America's economy, bankrupting border states, injecting many criminals and gangs into the population, permanently arming our culture, taking jobs away from Americans, and threatening, uh, once they get amnesty, to create a permanent democratic voting majority. Illegal aliens are rarely prosecuted and deported, and in fact, increasingly are being treated as protected class. Meanwhile, those opposed to illegal immigration, which is still a crime, are maligned as bigoted, heartless, anti-immigrant, and of course, racist. So that's the, that's the key word today, racist. Uh, voter fraud. Uh, we have uh, those that would like to, you know, to, to check the uh, voter registration, but if you do that, at the end, you are also called racist. Socialized medicine coming to a, to a town near you today and uh, getting very close. He says, the greatest health care system in the world in world history, America, is currently being torn down and replaced with a socialist model that has led everywhere it has ever been in, implemented to inferior care, tremendous loss of freedom, increased costs, bureaucratic, bureaucratic care rationing, a.k.a. Uh, death panels, and vastly expanded the government control in every area of life. And yet, if you oppose Obamacare, uh, that's the Affordable Health Care Act, ACA, or eight, uh, whatever that is, you're vilified for hating poor children, and you're a racist. So we now have that. And of course, guns and energy and the, the government. And then uh, down here, after Kermit Gosselin, this is abortion, uh, after that trial in which Philadelphia abortionist was convicted of first-degree murder and sent to prison for life, 
because it was so abominable, so nasty, so ugly. <laughs> I mean, it, if you read any of it, your stomach turned and you wanted to vomit. Many Ameri in America, even those who consider themselves pro-choice, were forced to confront the grisly reality that late-term abortions are virtually indistinguishable from criminal infant infanticide. And yet, just a few weeks later, Texas State Senator Wendy Davis filibustered for 12 hours to block a law restricting abortions after 20 weeks. In other words, late-term abortions at the same age Gosling killed, Davis later called her stand on abortion, on abortion sacred ground. So what was universally condemned as barbaric murder in May became sacred in June. A bizarro world we live in. And we're having to raise our children in this bizarro world. And it goes on and, and so many different things that are happening in the world. Brethren, it's important that you watch out for your children. Watch out for your children. Take care of them. Understand the world that they live in. Be careful what they do. I mean, the, the greatest evil I used to think that my kids ever had to, to, to endure was Halloween. And today, some of the evils that they have to endure are so much more bizarre and so much more ugly that I mean, we still hate Halloween because that's uh, Sam Haynes' day, that's the Satan's day. Uh, he, he, he starts earlier and earlier every year. Anyway, you understand. It's important that you take care of your children. Watch over them. Don't let them have this evil. In Mark, the 10th chapter, this next point, kingdom must be approached as a child. The kingdom must be approached as a child. We, those precious children that we brought up here today, and we ask God to bless them. And we ask God to, to watch over them, put his guardian angels around them. In verse 13, of chapter 10. Jesus had such compassion. And I'm going to read all three of these because I want to put all three of these in context. I want to put all three of these verses that talk about Jesus laying hands upon these little children. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. My little thing down here says he was an indignant. That was not what he wanted his disciples to do. And he said to them, Allow the little children to come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child he shall not enter therein. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Here's some more keys. All along, I've been giving you some keys about the kingdom of God and children and the kingdom of God and what, what you should be thinking about children. 
in the kingdom of God. Matthew 19, verse 13. And there were brought to him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. In other words, they, they were indignant. They, were, they, were, you know, they severely reproved him. But Jesus said, Permit the little children and forbid them not to come to me for such for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands upon them and departed from them. So he prayed over them just as we did. Just as he's given us an example. And the last one is Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning in verse 15. And they brought him also infants. So we have a, a round of children and infants that came. That he should touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to Him. He called them to Him. The love of Christ for little children is in those scriptures. He loved the little child. Permit little children to come to me and forbid them not. Permit them to come to me Families, teach your children about God and Jesus. Bring them to Christ. Help them to understand Him and the Father. Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter in. That's a key to our own conversion. They have an innocence about this way of life. They rejoice at the feast when the parents come and bring them and they, they do things together. There's a, there's a, there's a bright-eyed um, excitement about being in a different place and doing something different with mom and dad and brothers and sisters, if you've got lots of brothers and sisters. It's a rejoicing for them. And if we don't have that kind of nature, we aren't going to make it into the kingdom of God. We should love and have love, one for another, and express that. John, the 12th chapter, we also must be children of light, and we must teach our children the light, Jesus Christ. John, the 12th chapter, Jesus says, beginning in verse 35 and 36, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. He's stumbling around. He can't see where he's going. While you have light, believe the light, that you may be the children of light. It's important that we teach our children about the light, Jesus Christ, and that we understand about Jesus Christ. And his light in our own lives. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent in the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepting him 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it is good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest to God, and I trust also made manifest to your consciences. For we commend not, our, not ourselves again to you, but to give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them the glory of the appearance and not in heart. Let's see if I'm on... Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> hey, it sounded good. You, you did follow that, didn't you? All right, let's go back to where we're, we're supposed to be. Uh, take that to heart. That was, that was a good message. Now let's try, let's try the, for, for sure to get the right one here. He says, for you were sometimes darkness, and that's probably what was up there. Sorry about that. But now are you light in the, word, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And you saw, and there is a lot of unfruitful works of darkness out there, but repro rather reprove them. For it is shame even to speak of those things which are done in them, in secret, but all things that are reproved be made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, Awake you, that you sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I don't remember if I went, um, yeah, okay. Uh, let's go to First Thessalonians and let's see if I can get this one right. You have to do that at least once. I'll just keep you all on your toes. For, verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. I'm going to skip that one. As I was bringing us up through the children, lo, the children are the heritage of God, I want us to understand that we are all the children of God. So let's go to 1 John, the third chapter. We're very familiar with this. It's a beautiful chapter. And the first few verses there are so profound. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, given us this understanding, given us this hope that we should be called the sons of God. And these words are so true. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear. We're, he calls us as though we're already in the kingdom. Those children that we saw, we should want them with us and a part of our heritage in the kingdom of God. I want my sons, I want my grandsons, I want my great-great-grandsons all the way down, heritage after heritage after heritage in the kingdom of God. And you should too. 
We should pray that God will expand that kingdom and that we can be together as one large family. God considers us His sons, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is, and every man that has this hope in Him purifies himself even as He is pure. The future is for God's children. Romans, the 8th chapter, everybody is so familiar with. Future is God's children. When that day comes, it's going to be so glorious and so wonderful. And I want everyone there. That parable where he paid the same amount to the last person. I hope each and every one of you want to see as many in the kingdom, even at the very last, I mean at the last instant, that can come into the kingdom and not deny anyone. He says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of, of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bear, itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glor be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the cre it says creature, but it's the creation, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole universe is waiting for us. This whole universe is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the sons, the grandsons, the great-grandsons, all of the sons of God to come into that. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but for reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creation, or the creature itself also, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I look forward to that day when we're all in there, and that whatever God the Father has planned for us. Because He has a tremendous plan for His children that we will be there and we will, we will do His work as He's continuing to do His work and calling people out of this world. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren, I want to finish with the beautiful thing that, that they've been working on. But I want to start a little bit earlier than that because it says in verse 10 of Ephesians the sixth chapter verse 10 of Ephesians finally brethren be strong in the Lord be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might he's giving you his Holy Spirit sometimes we just don't know exactly how to use that Holy Spirit how to, how to tap into that power like we should. But he's given it to us, and so we should work to have that power that we can tap in. And so he, he, he tells us here that you're going to be strong in the Lord, but you need some armor so that you can battle. You've got to have some armor so you can battle. And it was beautiful to see them with all the shields and the helmets and all of that. So here, let's read it again as we finish up this message today on the children 
how precious they are, how wonderful they are. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because he's out there. He's out there. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil, in the evil day. And having done all, to stand, to stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the word of God, and having the breastplate of righteousness, the Ten Commandments over your heart, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Good news. The good news of the kingdom of God is coming to this earth. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because that's exactly where the darts are coming from. Coming from the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And I, I like to think of it right back here. You know, you, Double one. I got two swords. I mean, or, you know, I don't know. I'm just one sword that uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And he says, for the ministry. And I'll add this. For Ian, for those who are preaching this with that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the good news of the kingdom of God. 